1: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, go to patreon.com slash breakaway to get access to our BSBOT episodes, which we're recording on Wednesday night, by the way, after the Pittsburgh Penguin game versus the Rangers. Uh, you get ac- access to our Discord, ad-free episodes, and much more. It lets us keep doing this show every single week. Today we have Shana Goldman, ever heard of her, on the show. We go around the league, we talk stats and analytics, we talk Mika our Artemi Panarin, and much, much more. A very fun interview, and Greg and I talk about the Dallas game and the Devils game before getting to Shana and answering a bunch of five-star questions. So without further ado, here's the show.
2: Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
1: Fans, welcome to my love, of the Bushers breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm recording here with my dear friend Greg immediately after the stars game and not immediately after the devils game. Greg, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine good. too,
1: to be honest. Uh, the Rangers let up six goals in a row, and I think this is maybe one of the most calm times I've ever been when the Rangers let up six goals in a row in my life. Probably the yeah. number one.
2: This is, this is like a 3.7 out of 10 on the Rangers lost the game scale for me.
1: I think it might be a 2. I think 3.7 might even be high. Eh,
2: the, they had a 2 nothing lead. So from that perspective. Most you know, dangerous
1: lead in hockey, to be fair.
2: This is true. This and is
1: true. I thought they looked very, very good for a long stretch to this game. Lafreniere was playing hockey in ways I never thought he even could last year. Uh, and then all of a sudden it all deteriorated, my friend and the Dallas Stars who turned out to be a good team uh beat the Rangers 6 I, I, well, at least when I turned it off 6 to 2 <laughs> when it's remaining um not a lot to take away from this game i thought there was a couple different rough points from a couple different players uh the Keandre miller turnover is obviously a little bit of a bummer the Kapokako goal even though it put them up 2-0 uh was kind of a what just happened uh, Panera missed the net wide. I know Joe, Joe Micheletti talked about this, but he missed a lot of tonight. Mika Sabinejad looks sort of uh, out of sorts in ways. They really didn't even get him the chance to shoot the puck on the power play most of the time. And uh, overall, like it's just a loss that's going to happen to even good teams. And uh, we just we just move on to Pittsburgh. That's all that is.
2: At least 25 more of these from yes. now until the end of the season. Like The New York Rangers are going to lose 28 games this year. I've lowered my number from 30, but I'm still convinced that just about every team in hockey is going to lose 25, 28 games. New York Rangers is going to be one of them. The Rangers scored?
1: Wow. After I turned it off. <laughs> That's so funny. Was it Panarin? Let's see. Uh, did he keep a streak? No, he did not. Okay. There you go. Um, anywho, point is, yeah, you're right. This is like that baseball analogy, not to get into baseball like too soon. Um but really the analogy is like, what is, what is it? You're going to lose 52 games. You're going to win 52 games. It's all about no, the you, rest in the between.
2: No, you you lose uh, 55, you win 55. It's the 55 in the middle that you got to worry about. Something like that.
1: Yeah. It's something like that's, that's the quote. Oh, Barclay Goodrow,
2: Nice job. That figures.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the Goodrow penalty tonight. Can we talk about that real quick? It's kind
2: of funny. He's, I mean, it's what are you going to do? It, it's, it's hilarious. Like it's, they're just, yeah, this is, this entire game is just one big, what are you going to do? Like, the best player on the ice tonight was Scott Wedgwood. What are you going to do? I don't think it, it'd be a lot easier. You know, we, we did one OT where you came on ranting and raving about how the Rangers lost a game 4-1 in the Nashville Predators, and it was the worst thing you've ever seen, and they looked like shit. This is one of those losses where I thought the Rangers played quite well for two and a smidge periods. I'm not going to say the third period was good. When it gets away from you, it gets away from you, and sometimes an avalanche is a – force you cannot stop but rangers looked much the better team through two periods they were getting high danger chances they shit chris Kreider at the beginning of the third period all alone in front of the stars net and wedgwood denied him sometimes when you're going up against you know you, you get hot goalie and scott wedgwood tonight played a phenomenal game made saves he had no business making kept the rangers he out of the awesome. net early could have easily been four nothing after one period. Could, easily, this game
1: could have been fucking over in the first. And yeah. good, good for him. And I think there's there's some times where fans in general, I think you and I are pretty good at doing this. So call me out if I'm if we're not. But giving the other team credit, there. This is what the Dallas won the game. That's it. Like they were the better team. It's not like the the Rangers had some mistakes. It's not like they played mistake free hockey. They played well for, for long, long periods, and they had the chance to end this thing early. They didn't. They didn't put it fully away. Like you said, Wedgwood was awesome. Fun goalie name, too, by the way, Wedgwood. Really cool. And uh, they, they just couldn't get it done, and that's fine. The, the Dallas Stars put everything together. Uh, they took advantage of a couple situations. That was a goal. They didn't need a review for it against Igor. I, I was surprised when Leck called for the review and goal interference, but I also, Greg, and maybe you disagree, I don't hate that call. Like at all for him making the review. Do you, we talk about this all the time. Do you know what goalie interference is?
2: No, I, I don't hate the review mostly because at that point the game's just about over anyway, if it isn't goalie interference. So why not? What are you saving it for? At that point, we see baseball managers do this all the time where they know a guy's safer out in the eighth or ninth inning. But if you, if you have the review handy, and, you know, you have nothing left to lose at that point. Why not give it a shot? Plus, the New York Rangers generally are pretty good on the penalty kill. So you have a, not only do you have a chance of getting that goal taken off the board, even if you don't think it's goalie interference, you've got a higher chance of killing off the penalty. So be, you know, that, that is an accept, acceptable risk in my eyes. But that's where I'm at. It, like you, there's a chance
1: there's a chance the goal, the, the, the refs in Toronto side with you like, Hey, maybe they they were interfering at the puck. uh, Rather the stick was touching to pad. I don't think it actually stopped him from making the save, but maybe, maybe they would. We've seen weirder happen. Um, It's usually with the Rangers on the worst side of things, but at the same time, I don't really consider that a lobby let mistake so far.
2: No, take a chance. Make it happen. Foxwoods
1: for sure. The final five. And this is, comes after a weekend where the Rangers played the Devils, uh, where they absolutely Woo, that was a, a great weekend win versus the Devils, where Jack Hughes came back, Igor came back, Igor lets in like a couple of these little dribblers that he's letting in over the past two games. Again, if anybody's asking me if I'm worried about Igor Chesterkin, uh please go ask another question. I'm very much not at all. But to just beat the Devils like the like it was with Jimmy Vesey doing a backhand, got uh, turnaround goal, and uh, or Temi Panarin just being out of his goddamn mind, uh, versus them. It's fine. To, like, that was a it was a great win. I, like, to travel to Dallas two days later, a good team, and not win this one, even when you're up 2 0. Things are all right. It's, it's got a long week. This week is going to be crazy, by the way. Our feelings next week, I, I really don't. I, let's just put it this way if the Raiders lose every single game this week, we're probably still not even freaking out, right?
2: No. Yeah. No. That's we're really Especially if they look like they look tonight, which was fun. Fo- again, it. There's a version of this game tonight that goes so poorly where the Rangers are coming off a stretch in which they didn't play for five days against the Devils, get this big road win that seemingly lifts the entire team up while they're still playing without Fox and Heedle. Then they come into Dallas on a road trip, completely flat, look disinterested, aren't playing well, nothing's crisp, and they look awful. And if if that happened tonight – I think you and I would be critical. We'd still give them the benefit of the doubt because again, this is the third regu- regulation loss of the season for the Rangers. And when you are able to say that 16 games into the season, things pretty. have generally gone your way. <laughs> things have been but, pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, like they came out energized. They played really well in my estimation. They had great opportunities from the word jump, they had a lead going into the third period against the team we expect to be one of the four best teams in the Western Conference. They lost, but they didn't look awful. There were no new problems generated from this game. I mean, Mika Zibanejad looks like a lost puppy right now. Yeah, but
1: that's the only real problem I see.
2: It's not a new problem, though. And nope. at the same time, the Rangers were well-positioned to win this game, even with that being a problem. I don't think Jones Schneider had a really good game At the same time, I don't think they had a bad game either. It's one of those games where they were on the ice for a bunch of goals against, but I don't think it was anything they did that led to the goals. Sometimes someone's got to be out there for these goals to happen. And obviously the Stars had a good game plan where they were getting their better skaters out against Jones and Schneider. And they were taking advantage of that matchup, but I don't feel less secure about them being a potential bottom pairing if an injury happens in the top four i i'm good with this stars game like it shit happens man it, this is one of those days yeah. sometimes you run into a hot pitcher you run into a hot goalie things just this isn't the jets shit in the bed against the bills this is just a hockey team losing
1: yeah, this isn't the Commanders uh, finding a way to lose against the Giants and ruining their first overall pick situation. <laughs> yeah, and if you Christ. Go one
2: step further. The two goals the Rangers scored are bullshit goals. The Rangers yeah, co- could have easily... Puckered me
1: to score that goal, dude. <laughs>
2: everybody,
1: everybody for whatever
2: reason, the Stars just didn't know where the puck was on the ice for Trocek's goal. Yep. By the way, I <laughs> um, spoiler alert for everybody coming up. There's a DraftKings ad coming up in, in this year's show where I specifically said everyone should bet Gustafson and Kreider... To get over half a power play point and they got the assists on the Trochek goal. So, in hindsight, you're going to wish the episode came out earlier and I apologize for that.
1: <laughs> you were saying it for Wednesday? Nice
2: yeah. job. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it in general. Um, but, it, what? I don't know. I, I really, I keep going back to what are you going to do. This is just a game the Rangers lost to me. I I will remember it less than, of the three regulation losses for the Rangers, this one's firmly third in terms of I have nothing really to complain about. Columbus, just weird shit happening we- all weird. the time. One
1: of the weirdest games I've ever watched.
2: Weirdest games we ever watched. And still a game you can say the Rangers arguably could have won. Yes. Nashville, absolute Whatever. shit fest. Yep. This is just a loss, man, it's against a really good hockey team.
1: Yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights got shut out 3-0 like the other day.
2: Teams did happen. Yeah, but against the Pittsburgh Penguins, mind you.
1: Yes, who we were, we were going to talk about with our, our guest Jesse today, but Jesse had uh, some family duties to take care of, so we, we shoved, subbed in Shayna. Uh, so we'll talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit now. Uh, looking forward to this week, there is... This is kind of like the first scheduled loss week, I think, for the Rangers. Mm. They
2: have, you don't think so, really? No, no, I, I don't think... And again, I... The Rangers played again. They played well, so this isn't. I don't think this isn't a machination in the schedule. I'm not where, calling the Stars' lost a schedule loss, by the way, because you're wondering. Yeah, I just think it's too early in the season for they've had so much time off. Where I don't see it. You, you, uh, the schedule loss I'm talking about
1: is Flyers, Bruins, Friday at one, Saturday at one. Mm. One of those. One of
2: those is a loss. I don't no, know which well, one. Yeah, no, but it's that's not a schedule loss. A schedule loss is one where yeah, you're playing it's a eighteen third hours game. later. It's pretty rough. It's one o'clock and one o'clock. That's yes. 20, that's that's a twenty-four hour
1: day. I know, but you the end of the game, et cetera.
2: No, I I disagree. Okay. As as <laughs> right. as the king of the schedule of loss, I disagree that anything on the schedule this week can be considered a schedule loss. When again, it'd be one thing if this is game seventeen in a twenty-eight later. day stretch or something like that. They had five days off. You're right. It should be fresh.
1: You're right. They should have it all. I, there were a lot of players I thought looked re- really great tonight as well. Uh, Jimmy Vesey had a lot of jump. Lafreniere looked awesome. I think Carter had, had a lot of jump.
2: But Jimmy Vesey also made a really bad pass that directly led to the first star's goals. So.
1: That is true. That is true. Uh, any thoughts from the Devils game that you want to recap from over the weekend? I know exactly you weren't exactly watching until afterwards because you were. Uh, yeah, I had a
2: wonderful Saturday night if you want to get into that. I no, saw, I
1: don't particularly.
2: I saw Beauty and the Beast at yeah. Lansingburg High School and it yes, was wonderful. I I'm do sure think. Was. Gene and I have a podcast coming this week, so I won't spoil everything for that podcast. I do think Beauty and the Beast is the best on stage musical. I mean, I, I don't have enough to fight you. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, you know, don't. get up, get on my level, bro. But, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I, first of all, um, I will reiterate once again. Do you want to you give your team rival rankings? Because I have mine ready to go.
1: I don't, but I know you have the Devils sixth.
2: I I will move them up to fifth.
1: Okay, I think that's fair. Uh, my, my gut reaction is I I I hate the Islanders in Pittsburgh one and two.
2: Flyers one. Yep. Pittsburgh two. Islanders three. And I still have the Capitals fourth. I think a six is a crime. You can at least make a
1: case. I, I the Capitals they're they're just not the same rival they were a couple of years ago.
2: No, but at the same time. We have more recent playoff history with the Capitals, and we don't get here with Peter Laviolette without Tom Wilson trying to murder Artemi Panarin. Okay, that's a really good point. We we just don't get here like this. This entire the last three years of our lives is because of Tom Wilson. I just and, don't
1: think of the Flyers as a massive rival.
2: Fuck Philadelphia, Ryan. I, I had I'm to aware today of it. should have been one of the happiest and most reflective days of my baseball fan life where David Wright and Jose Reyes appear on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot together in their first year. And Chase fucking <laughs> Utley is like, "Hi guys." And not only is Chase Utley on the ballot, I have to then suck it up and say that he's got a better Hall of Fame case than those two guys. And I got to tell you, Few things in life are crueler than that. It's that is fucking actually, brutal.
1: When you put it that way, I understand why you have the Flyers in that situation. I think I have the Devil's fourth currently. I think I have the Flyers fifth. That's I think that's pretty reasonable.
2: Yeah, right. As a guy that lives in Philly, I believe you have to say that for your own own well-keeping. For your own safety? I, look, yeah. I, told you, I told you my strategy of living
1: here. At the end of every conversation, you just say, go birds. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's the only thing you do. But it's when, how you survive. I will say that I think the Islanders are a better rival because... It's more fun. It's way more fun. It, it, it just, it seems more jovial among the fan bases, but also it's one of those, it's, it's a literal. Like sibling rivalry with the Islanders where I want to fucking kill them, but I kind of do love them too, which is, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know if it's just because we have really good friends that are Islander fans and Ethan obviously is a big no, friend of dude, the show.
1: Even NASA CM games when it was Rangers Islanders Bumping and both and the whole like uh, the 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 dueling chance and there was like a lot of good sportsmanship with it.
2: I guess what it boils down to is I'm saying there are Islander fans and I'm not entirely convinced outside of our friend Jeff that they are Devils fans. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if
1: you heard uh the Prudential Center on Saturday, you wouldn't really think there <laughs> what, was. No?
2: So. Oh my god, uh, my favorite. <laughs> I will say this about the Devils fans that decided to chirp back: you guys got to get better at this. You can't. I would. I made the clip that said it was essentially a home game and all of them, their best comeback was, well, it was just across the river or, or thanks for paying for my season tickets. Here's my thing, Ryan. Okay. Here's how I know if it's a real rivalry. If I have met season tickets and the Phillies are coming to town, Mm -hmm. I need to go to that game to beat the shit out of somebody. I'm not selling the tickets. You know what game I would sell tickets to, when the minnesota twins come to town yep yeah. shit i'd sell tickets i I'd, I'd sell tickets if otani came to town yeah and i've already seen them.
1: make your money immediately
2: yeah i'd i'd <laughs> sell i sell tickets if it's not a team i want to see or it's a high price ticket involving a, a well, a non-team you, saw you don't what sell happened. tickets to rivals man you saw what
1: happened after the game right the devils let all the ranger fans on the oh, ice it's <laughs> so fucking it's tough, crazy buddy. tough tough that's, weekend for the devils fans they're really going through
2: funny. one congratulations to the devils they got their win tonight i guess
1: yeah look it's uh it's gonna be a long long season for both teams uh this week though uh flyers Bruins, pittsburgh penguins uh, so, pretty much a rivalry week as, as is. I, I don't know. Do you consider the Burns a rival? Not really, right?
2: In the sense that I, I always get a funny feeling when talking or thinking about Boston. Yeah. But no, I, I'm from the part of New York where the Red Sox are kind of responsible for the best thing that's ever happened to my professional sports team. So, it's never really been a rivalry. Yeah, right
1: through his legs, my friend.
2: <laughs> he would have been. Here's the thing about the Buckner ball Mookie beats it out anyway. Yeah, likely. He, he, he's going to be safe. Whether Ray Knight scores from second is the question, but the inning continues. Agreed. That Yeah. Whatever. We're, we don't need to relitigate the 1986. World <laughs> we, don't need series to do,
1: today. we don't need to do Buckner today.
2: <laughs> no, we don't need, we can do Buckner any day of the week, buddy, but we don't have to do it today. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think of the Bruins pissed me off in a way where, you know, I don't like that Haggerty guy, and I think their announcer blows.
1: Yeah, but that's like the people that cover them. Sure. So, like, I actually, res- I, res- I respect the Bruins, what they do. At least, at least their team, and I respect Brad Marchand as much as I hate I fucking love him. Brad Marchand. Me too, dude. I he fucking is- love him again. If <laughs> and he gets so cool, so much cooler over the years, it's it so annoying.
2: <laughs> I, I, God, I think it was last week or the week before where we joked on this podcast and said if a Ranger ever licked another person, it would be the <laughs> first thing we talk about on this show every week. Every yeah. week. Yep. Imagine Ryan, imagine Barclay Goodrow walks up to fucking Mark Rizlik or whoever. Barclay the- Goodrow
1: needs to lick a guy right now. <laughs> dude. He needs to
2: start getting that tongue
1: ready because my man needs some good karma. There's four years left on that contract and he is a disaster some nights.
2: Oh, it's such a long contract. And
1: you're, you're right about the, the penalty kill stuff. He legitimately is good at it. Uh, yeah. Everything else is really rough. It's been tough.
2: I know it. it listen, I'm Adam not here Herman to
1: def- posted tonight. He was like I think he has four shots on goal, four penalties taken. <laughs> oh god.
2: <laughs> I'm not I'm not here to defend the contract. Yeah. But I'm going to stop pretending like he isn't useful. He does something that helps this team.
1: He does. You and you make that point and that's great. Uh do we want to go into Mika at all or do we want to get to our dear friend Shayna?
2: I just don't have anything new to say and I don't yeah. want to pile on because I think the easy thing to do in the coming days weeks will be to pile on Mika. He starts slow. Uh, I, it's a concern I've been on this podcast before and have said when he gets into these slumps, what I actually want him to do is shoot more because the only way, only way you're going to get out of it is by forcing yourself to do it more. Um, I'd be more concerned about it if other things weren't going right for the Rangers, but second lines humming, it was humming again tonight before our Temi Panarin forgot how geometric. The goal was and was missing the net. But the second line is summing The best players on the ice for the Rangers tonight were Alexi Lafreniere, Temi Panera, and Vincent Trocek. As long as that line continues to go, Taco's looking a lot better. Will Cooley's still doing really good things. Chris Kreider is not sinking with the Mika Zabenajed ship. And for the most part, the power play is still creating opportunities. And Igor's going to be fine too. And this is all happening without Adam Fox and Phil Hedl. So. I, I'm worried about Mika Zibanejad, but everything else around him seems to be going fine, which makes me think this is the perfect time for Mika Zibanejad to be going through a cold spell.
1: We talk about this once every two years. So it's it's fine. Mika will be fine. Once every I, two I,
2: years? We talk about this once every November.
1: You're right. You're right. As long as we convince him that December is now March, we'll be fine. Uh, I will say that, that Adam Fox was on the road trip with the guys. He seems to be practicing and skating, which is great news. Uh, to remind everyone, he is not eligible to return until the twenty eighth, I believe. So he can return on the, uh, versus the Detroit Red Wings on November twenty
2: ninth. Yeah, you know. and it, it it seems like he's trending in that direction. It which... Seems
1: like he likely will. Great. Um, I was I my gut reaction originally when this happened was like mid December, but oh, I was
2: thinking uh, January. I I think he'll be fine. Yeah. So skating right now. And again, I think all of. <laughs> This is the first time the Rangers lost in regulation since Adam Fox left the lineup. Mm-hmm. First time. It's, yep. It's not the second game they've it's, played, Ryan. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty I, good. I the, the, again, it, I don't want to downplay it. A, a loss is a loss, but these will happen. We will come on podcasts where the Rangers have lost every game in a week. And I don't think it's going to be this week, but they're going to lose games. I know we all got comfortable with them winning and pulling games out their ass every night of the, every night of the week. Also, I promise everybody, I know it's frustrating, but video review is not out to get the New York Rangers. It's not. This is just bad luck is what's happening right now.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. But they're also <laughs> out to get the Rangers. No, stop it. <laughs> like, look, tonight I can't defend, but the last two goals is just I just want some consistency. That's all. That's it. That's want some consistency. Tonight were the right calls, though. I agree. They were. I actually want you to do like a 30 second rant. I'm going to tee you up. You ready? I have to do one. Yeah, because you've made the point. So I want Uh-oh. to give you the credit. Um, Phil Pito is still not skated at this point in time, mm-hmm. but there was an article and some some news that came out that had some hypothesis that he might be out for a long time, but we don't really know. Like that's uh-huh. never been confirmed. And I think you were talking in our insider's chat about like, hey, but we don't really know anything, do we? Uh, so it's not like he's out for the year because no one said anything. I'm sort of of teeing you up for that rant.
2: Yeah, I just – there was a day there, and I think it was simply because there hadn't been Ranger Ranger Hockey for four days. The Devils were coming up, and the Click King used some hyperbole. When the Click King says something, we call him the Click King, and people go, oh, my God, it's the end of the fucking world. Sometimes, he's just saying shit. Listen, you and I both agree. Head injuries, fucking serious business. I want nothing but health for Phil Heedle, which is why I'm happy the New York Rangers seemingly are taking all the time in the world, allowing him to come back at his pace, aren't rushing him. They don't have to. But all we fucking know is he's not skating. And it seems like Larry, Vince, both of them went to the gut. I don't know if he's ever going to play hockey again. What? What? How the fuck did we get there? Yeah, I just want to know how we
1: fucking got there. I just want to know how we got from like, we don't know what's going on to he might retire.
2: Yeah. We went from, he's not scanning to, is he dead? I just, I, I legitimately don't know. Where that jump happened, it seemed aggressive, it did, and it's unnecessary.
1: And like, all of a sudden, it was like, is Philip Heedle seasons uh is, Jesus Christ, is Philip Heedle's seasons over?
2: Yeah, like, what? Excuse me, like, what do you mean, huh? Now, this is also exactly why you and I are on the maybe don't make a trade this early. See what the hell you need come February you and I have been on that bad bandwagon for a couple weeks now and I fully believe it maybe you do need to go out and trade for a Phil Heedle replacement because he can't come back from this latest concussion possible all I know is we have nothing to say that's going to happen here on November 20th because he's not skating yet if I I trust I I live in a world now where I actually trust the Rangers and their medical staff and it's what insane. the hell they're saying It's insane. So, I just I, I saw it happening because it was happening in our insider chat. And it got real dark and it got real melancholy out of nowhere. And I, I just want to say why I am not downplaying the severity of head injuries at all. But <laughs> step away from the ledge.
1: It's all I ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make a, a bold prediction that his career is not over.
2: That's I don't my, think
1: so. This is my just my prediction. Pretty sure Philip Hill's career is not over.
2: I would I would tend to agree. I'd bet on that one. Here's the other thing. If he's not skating in another 3 weeks, now we got a problem. I now don't we think got an issue. I don't think him missing 2 weeks is cause for me to go, "What the fuck is happening?"
1: If it's January 25th and we still haven't he hasn't skated once, okay. Maybe there is there's long-term cause for concern here.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is if the Rangers thought it was going to be more long-term than Fox's injury, they would have put him on long-term IR. Just because Fox is coming back quicker than Phil Heedle doesn't suddenly make Phil Heedle's injury more serious. It just means that Adam Fox is coming back quicker.
1: That's it. All right, let's get to our dear friend, Shayna Goldman. A great interview with her. Uh, go around the league, talk Rangers, all that, and then we will come back and answer some five-star questions. Transition.
2: Hey everybody, it's me, your favorite podcast host, Greg. During this ad break, what in the world? Anyway, we've all been enjoying the Rangers' hot start to the season, but there's a way we can all enjoy it a little bit more, and that's with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. There are fun lines I like. You guys have always heard me talk about Adam Fox over half a power play point if you were betting tonight, which hopefully you did. You're listening to this after the fact. Chris Kreider over half a power play point is still plus 220 eric gustafson plus 340 the rangers money line plus 114 this isn't advice but these are ways you could probably make a little scratch on the rangers as they are playing here's all you have to do you have to download the app now use code bsb new customers can get $150 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code BSB only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 100, 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877 8 hope and why or text hope and why in Connecticut helps available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of, of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. I've said that it before. See DKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League.
1: Ayo, hey, it's time to tell you about our season ticket premier sponsor, tick pick. It's the official ticketing app of Blue Shirts Breakaway and the only way I use to get Rangers tickets. If I'm going to an away game, I use TickPick. If I'm going to another game that's not the Rangers game, I use TickPick. I travel a lot for work, so I try and see hockey teams uh, when I'm in town. I use TickPick. The reason I use TickPick is there's no fees. The price you see is the price you get. When you log into the app, it gives you the best deals ranked so you can easily see what the best deal is, and again, hashtag no fees. So what I can do for you is you can use promo code BLUESHIRTS15, that's BLUESHIRTS and the number 15, to get $15 off any order over $99 in the TickPick app for first-time users of the code. That's right, any user can use it. BLUESHIRTS15, use TickPick, tell them I sent you. If you're going to arrange your game anytime soon, especially over the holiday season, save that $15. Use code BLUESHIRTS15 with the TickPick app. Hashtag no fees. And we'll see you there at the game. Tick Pick, official ticket sponsor A Blue Breakaway.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin
1: Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda.
0: You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your happy place for Happy Price. Go to your happy price. Price line.
1: Hey, we're back with longtime reoccurring guest Shayna Goldman of The Athletic and of course the podcast Too Many Men. Shayna, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. An honor to be Thank this. you
1: for filling in when you were not supposed to be a guest today. So I'm
0: like the eBug today.
1: EBUG Shayna. Uh boy, we have a lot to talk about because I think it's kind of weird to think t- Uh, where you are now and where the where the nhl is now like the rangers are leading the metro we're almost at thanksgiving they're i think the athletic model says like a 98 percent lock to make the playoffs at this point if they just play 500 hockey um why are we even watching the rest of the season you tell me
0: yeah, the rest of the season is totally canceled. No, it's it's so hard this time of year because I feel like we have such small samples to work with and it's so easy to make overgeneralizations about teams. And then you have the whole Thanksgiving rule approaching, you know, what is it? 75% of the time teams in playoff positions at Thanksgiving make the playoffs. So that can go wild. But, it, you know, there's still area to grow. And A big task is sustaining this level, right? That is the biggest task is not getting complacent when you have good chances at this point in the season. So there's still a lot to learn.
2: Shannon, when we last talked to you, we were previewing the season and I think the three of us came away generally with the same thinking that the New York Rangers as currently constructed are probably the third best team in the metropolitan division, though they will probably have a hole to fill if certain things don't go right throughout the season at the trade deadline. We now talk to you three days before Thanksgiving. The New York Rangers are not only the top team in the Metro, but teams two and three are the Philadelphia Flyers and the Washington (laughs) Capitals. So how the hell did we get here?
0: Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, look at last year, the Flyers got off to a better start than expected last year as well, and then obviously regressed. And it was interesting because last year we saw the goaltending carry them as everything else was chaos. And then as the year went on, the goaltending went down and everything else went up and it found its way in the middle. And that landed them obviously lower in the standings. But you see their impressive start. It's probably not going to last, but you see the steps they're taking forward. You see the Capitals they didn't have a good start to the season and they were able to rebound. And it kind of shows you that parity that they have in the middle right now in the division and in the conference. It, it's kind of funny. You have really, 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 really bad teams like the Sharks. You have a couple really elite teams. But for the most part, everyone's just in this weird middle area. So you have teams that can interchange those, you know, playoff seats and positioning in the standing so easily right now.
1: I'm looking at the standings, and one thing I, I love to look at, because I'm a simpleton, is goal differential. And I feel like it's a nice way to see like how the team is actually doing, despite their record. The Rangers, you may have heard this, played the Devils over the weekend. A team that is uh, very, very talented missing some key pieces. Jack Hughes returned, etc. He's electric. Whatever you got to say about the Devils. They're a minus three on the season goal differential. Uh, is that shocking,
0: or was that expected? It's It's shocking, but... I feel, I feel like in ways it's shocking and it's ways, in ways it's expected. It's not shocking that their goaltending is struggling right now when you look at how they went into the season. And they really did take a big bet. Few t- a lot of teams took from, you know, everyone learns from champions, right? A lot of teams took away from the Golden Knights win, not, well, we need a mobile defense that has three pairs or we need forward pairings throughout our lineup that can play this in that way. It was, you can get away with average goaltending. But everyone forgets you have to be built like Vegas to get away from that, to get away with that. A team like the Devils, where we last left them last year, kind of seemed like they were because they play such a possession-heavy game that they can get away with average goaltending. They don't put that much strain on their goaltenders, but it was extra risky this year because they made so many subtractions, like Ryan Graves, like Damon Severson. Two guys that took heavy minutes out of their top six on defense are gone. So that carried risk. Is it surprising that they stand worse than expected in terms of, you know, goals against? No, it just is a problem for them to deal with. The surprising part of it is that they're not scoring as much at five on five. And it's more than just, I think, oh, they have a low shooting percentage at five on five and it will regress. They're not creating as much as we should expect a team like the Devils to do at five on five. They've had an elite, elite, elite power play to make up for it which is great and wonderful as long as you don't get complacent and go, well, we're X in all situation goals because you sort of have to play the you know bulk of the game at 5-on-5. Five five. But that's where it's a little bit surprising. So we'll see how much it regresses now that Jack Hughes is healthy and you know obviously when they eventually get Heath Shear back and when Timo Meyer is back in the fold, what, what they look like as a team at 5-on-5. Five five. But if they can't figure out how to score goals at 5-on-5, five five, I think they're going to have a problem because they really need to be able to outscore their problems.
1: It not a lot like the Rangers without Igor. It's like, no. hey, we, ha- we have, we're, we're actually pretty good. We have all these undeniable talents, our Panera, Mikas, Avinojad, et cetera. But hey, we also can't score 5-5. <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the difference between the Rangers and the Devils right now, though, is the, De- the Rangers are playing sound, even strength defense.
0: Yeah. And the, the difference is the Devils came into the season Being a team that we knew could pour it on a 5-on-5, right? They were one of the best teams. If you watch, like, Score State as the game rolls on, you would see they get to third periods. they have leads. They can run away with it. They were one of the teams that when they had a lead, very, 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 very rarely gave it up. That's different from the Rangers. Like, the Devils were a top-notch 5-on-5 team last year. The Rangers have been a shitty 5-on-5 team for a very long time. That's why this year looks like an improvement. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's still not amazing, but it's better than it was, so... I, I, would, I wouldn't I would have expected this from New Jersey. I do expect it from the Rangers. But I do feel like this year they have the potential to finally change that.
2: Shana, you mentioned, obviously, no Nico Heischer, which is a huge loss for the Devils. Timo Meyer is out. Jack Hughes just came back. In Carolina, Freddie Anderson is out. They have issues on the blue line. Um, I think they were missing a forward as well. But now, off the top of my head, I can't think of who would exactly – It was long way for me to ask a very simple question. Who are you more concerned about heading into Thanksgiving? The hurricanes being able to bounce back or the devils being able to bounce back?
0: Hmm. That's a tough one because that's, that's really tough. I would be, I'm a little bit more concerned about the devils because they knew what they were going into the season with. And yes, they've had injuries. But there's a couple weaknesses that you have to look at and go, do you have the answer for that? For the Hurricanes, they couldn't have anticipated the situation with Freddie Anderson. And while we know they have goalie depth and they have options, you know, they're, they're still playing top-notch defense, especially since Brett Pesci's healthy. When he was hurt, I think it was strained even, for, even further because Anderson was out at the beginning of the year separately. And we saw Coach Ekov and Ron to struggle a little bit. And the Canes defense, it felt like it was slipping. But now it's back to being top-notch. So. You know, their issue is a goalie problem. And I am really curious about what happens with the goalie market. Like they're in a unique position among contenders because they have so many of their assets still and they have the cap space and the Devils have assets as well. So both teams can make a move if necessary. I'm a little bit more worried about the Devils, though, because I feel like they have more than one issue to work out. And I think they're all fixable things versus the Canes. I think the Canes right now I look at and just go, you just need better goaltending because your defense is putting in the work.
2: I just don't know where these goalies are going to come from before the trade deadline. It feels like more than ever, I I felt this way about the NFL all year, where we're just living in this period where there aren't good quarterbacks. More than ever, I just think there's a dearth in terms of goalies I would want to even acquire to try to make my team better. And you look at...
1: It's still out there. still (laughs) out there.
2: But, but, I mean, Oilers, dumpster fire. Uh, Hurricanes, struggling. Devils need something. This is why... I'm still stunned. I get it. The Jets, you want to keep your guys. You extend Connor Hellebuck. You give yourself a chance to win. The Jets could have gotten seven first round picks if they traded Connor Hellebuck at this year's deadline.
0: The Jets are <laughs> the Jets. What they did, it's like it's like they have two different timelines going on in their head, and it, it makes no sense. That that deal, the Shifley deal, it's it, it's not the move. And I know it's so painful. Like if you move Shifley before signing him. It would have hurt, but I think that's one that you could deal with. You move Buck, like, you are screwed, period, the end. So I get that pressure, but I think that there's some other goalies I would be looking for. It's kind of interesting, like, if I'm Boston, I would consider t- trading Linus Olmark. You know, I think Swayman is the way to go moving forward, and he has that one-year deal. I would I would not be investing that much money in goal-sending next year if I were them, because they have a center issue to figure out first. So, I would be curious how they proceed there because you have the younger goalie that I think kind of is emerging more so. So are you losing value by holding on to Allmark? I am curious about what the Flames are going to do. Markstrom right now is performing like a top four goalie in the league. We didn't get to say that last year. And I'll be honest, I thought the combination of his last two seasons, like somewhere in the middle was where he actually was. I think the year before was an overperformance. And I think that last year was a huge underperformance. And it's two drastic numbers that you put together. Like, we we don't understand goaltending, so it's so much harder. But to see him bounce back the way he is, especially when the team is struggling, you know, I give him credit. And if I'm the Flames, that's contract I'm moving. It doesn't make sense with their timeline. And you have to get serious. And you can only get so much out of pending UFAs when you don't have leverage. So I wonder if there's options out there, even like an Alex Lyon. Detroit's not using him as their number two. Someone should be.
2: I just... I, I know I gave you the question of which team is in more trouble, the devils of the hurricanes. Can I follow that up with which team is more likely to enter open rebellion first Calgary or Columbus?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that is, you know, Columbus, I expected to be bad. Like I know everyone thought they were going to be so good last year. And I thought that was a little premature and I didn't expect it to be much better this year. I know, you know, you look at the, the coaching impacts and, There are some legit improvements on, you know, defense, how they're protecting the middle of the ice. I think Elvis is performing better too compared to last year, which low bar, but that's important. But it just feels like everything is so disjointed up front. And I know Pascal Vincent didn't expect to be a head coach, but this is someone a lot of people thought really highly of. And it seems like he's kind of out of his depths. And maybe it's just because the team's so bad. Then you look at Calgary and you're like, what the hell is going on? Like if any team was positioned and primed to rebound this year, It's them. You don't have Daryl Sutter anymore. You don't have that excuse. Like, did did he break the team that much? Or is it flaws with their roster construction? Like if you're expecting Cuberto to be your number one, when he should probably be your complimentary second star. You know, I know it's a luxury to have two superstars, but you kind of need to if you want to contend.
1: Looking at I mean, the Oilers are still below them, which is insane, which brings me to my (laughs) my my next question, Um, a non Oilers surprise. From from you, in terms of is there a team that stuck out in a way? Like I think the answer for everybody in the NHL, if you pulled them, is what's the most surprising storyline this season? It would be the Oilers and how they are still struggling uh after 16 games by having 11 points. That seems absolutely brutal for that franchise. But is there anything else that's really stuck out for you, either the East or the West? Doesn't matter to me.
0: I mean, we could go with the Flyers, like we talked about before, but I, I would go with the Ducks. You know, hell yeah. The Ducks are so much fun. And it's fun because like two years ago, they were, this was this young team. Look at the Ducklings. Look at the young Ducks. Like we were all enjoying them, even though they were bad. It was high event hockey. And that's what I think is so exciting, right? They had the offensive pop. They had Terry, who no one expected to be as good as he became. And Zegris thriving and Jamie Drysdale. And you're looking into the future going, there is hope in Anaheim. And then last year happened and you're like, what did we see the year before? Like that's historically bad defense. And it's so interesting. Greg Cronin comes in. He was not the coach on any of our radars, right? We're all talking about Spencer Carberry and John Hines and Laviolette and guys like that. Cronin just went under the radar completely. And that's someone who's been around hockey forever, you know, just not as an NHL head coach. And he has, shockingly, a really fresh approach and understands how to communicate with players, even the 18 and 19 year olds. You know, the Leo Carlson situation, it's a little bit interesting. And what they're doing is a different approach from what we tend to see, but it seems like it's all working for them. And yes, there's still holes and yes, they're still not great defensively, but they're staying in games and it seems like they're understanding how to play. And it seems like the coaches actually understand, to, like, they're not just saying, this is the system we're playing. They're going, this is how you do it. This is the, let's break this down. And that's like, Funny enough, the difference between them and even the Oilers, I feel like, because the Oilers changed systems and I felt like they went, This is how we're playing, and the players went, but we don't know how. We don't know how. And if they make mistakes, it didn't feel like they were the answers to say, Well, this is this is the problem. And if you made the mistake, your goalies are allowing a goal against, and now everything's just, you know, spiraling out of control.
2: You just wrote a piece for the athletic. That's fantastic, which is normal for you. You write fantastic <laughs> things. Thank you. But you wrote a piece about, I believe it was ten summer signings and their early impact with their new teams, not shocking to us, the New York Ranger fans. Eric Gustafson is one of the players that you featured in that piece. Instead of trying to figure out, like Ryan and I do on a weekly basis, about how that man signed for less than a million dollars this summer, what are you seeing from his game that is translating so seamlessly into a Ranger lineup that doesn't even have Adam Fox right now?
0: Well, I think the familiarity with Peter Laviolette helps, and the understanding of the system and the understanding of how to step up into a bigger role than what he's accustomed to playing because he did step up for John Carlson last year. That is where you can look at his entire career. The most value has come from is his time with Washington because he stepped up as their number one. And now this year, I think is starting to push that. He signed for so cheap and it has to be because there's this perceived idea of defensive weakness and how many teams go for, when you're looking for that third pair defenseman, they want someone stout and low event. You know, you want stable and secure, even though, a lot, you know, you should want three pairs that can move the puck. And someone like Gustafson gives you that ability. Um, His ability to break the puck out of his own zone is what made him, I think, such an enticing person for the Rangers to sign, because that's something the third pair is very clearly missing. And now you have three pairs that can push the pace of play better. But you look at him and you look at how good he's been at five on five. And it's not just, well, he's good offensively. He's making strong defensive plays. And even better yet, they're proactive defensive plays that he's helping the team shift from defense to offense, which in today's game is what you need to think of as defense. It's not the best um, offense is a good defense and you you just try to slightly outscore what you allow. It's how do you push the pace of play? And I think he's someone that really helped them do it. And then you have the power play. And the power play is super interesting because here's a left-handed guy stepping onto a right-handed guy's role and it might not seem like a big deal and this is you know a top unit that has a lot of righties on it but how you set up Zabanejad, that angling it's different it's an adjustment and you could see you know it was the game against the Red Wings I think it was there was a play where Gustafson went to set up Zabanejad, who's in the left circle ready to accept the pass and it went to right into his skates and it's like little tweaks like that that you see are a problem. But the way that he helps the unit recover, and there's so much high in skill, so they can obviously do a lot of it themselves. But he helped them recover, and they eventually get a power play goal a couple seconds later. Like that, that's what's so special about his game that he's one of the better depth defensemen out there, and he really raises the bar for the third pair. And the fact that he's managed going up against top competition the way he has to step in such a significant role, because we all know how much the Rangers lean on Adam Fox, he's really impressive. And yes, it helps to have brian lingren who is as stable and dependable as they come as a partner but he's just raising the bar he's giving them versatility he's giving them depth he's giving them a like a little bit of everything that they need which is super impressive for someone who came in as a sixth defenseman
1: who is giving him the three-year three million dollar contract next year
0: yeah that's a good question right it's gonna happen it, it could you look at how many teams have passed on him before. Do they, do they go to the, you know, a team like the Islanders, I think had him on a PTO and let him walk. The Flames got rid of him. The Blackhawks got rid of him. Um, but I do wonder how much, you know, maybe there'll be questions of, is this just the perfect situation for him? Is he just someone that needs to stick with Peter LaVillette? Will that translate to another system? Because he's never had seasons like he has, except for under this one coach. Like, I'm so curious about that. And who knows? Maybe he'll be so happy in New York, and he likes playing for this one particular coach who he's having the most success with. That he wants to stick with him too. Like, if he could somehow end up signing two years, two million, like that's like (laughs) right, (laughs)
2: done deal. That
0: would be a great deal.
2: If if somehow Jory gets him to sign the Jimmy VC extension, I will shit a literal brick.
1: Yeah, seriously, because the Jimmy VC extension—the day it was uh, signed—Greg and I came on here and like popped a bottle. (laughs) We couldn't believe that Jimmy VC had signed something like that. And I know Jimmy VC had bounced around the league, but the the change in his game with the New York Rangers, and as shown versus the Devils on Saturday, has been substantial. And for him to sign two years, 800K, and not just one year extension, was a celebratory moment. If Guston gets the same thing, I will. I will it a break as well with Greg and Solidarity.
0: Wow. Good for both of you. Thank you. <laughs> no. Fiber,
1: everyone. It's important. Yeah, there um, you go. Uh, I do want to talk about Artemi Panarin, as you probably guessed. Mm-hmm. and I, But I also want to make this about national media in general, because as I tend to do on this uh, on your podcast, I feel like Artemi's not getting the coverage he probably would because Nylander is also on this incredible tear. Are you, do you have the same feeling? Cause I, Panarin's having the, maybe the best start to any season he's ever had. He's been absolutely electric and dominant. And yet I don't feel like the Rangers and Artemia Panarin are like a massive storyline currently in the NHL.
0: No, I don't think they are either. And I mean, part of it, it's, it's like when you're going up against someone on the Maple Leafs for that attention. What about the Leafs? Yeah. It, it, it always affects the Leafs. Um, I do know a national writer who has a column coming out on Wednesday. Um, You know, a a nice little hypometer to go against the concernometer that we just had, and I do know that Artemi Panarin is kicking it off with Nylander, so they'll have their nice little four hundred word sections, and we'll be breaking down what's so special about him. So he's going to get his due, but I guess it's why it's coming from me because obviously, where did I start writing? It's here. But no, he he's definitely not getting enough hype for his season, and it's interesting because you know when we did player tiers over the summer, there was a lot of discussion about where Artemi Panarin belongs, and he someone whose tier has dropped off, you know, by a little bit each time. Uh the sub tiers like you see him slowly trending the wrong direction and going into this year it was going to be at his lowest. And the questions were like is he declining? Is it coaching? It's just that, you know, the the 5 on 5 impact isn't there. And anyone who would say that would be right. It and sometimes we looked at it well that line wasn't complete, right? Well, they're missing a right winger on that line, but like individually there were inconsistencies in his game. And if we go back even two years ago, it it was, where's Panarin? He's putting up points, but he's not dominating games. And then come, you know, March, and he crushes it up until the playoffs where he was a no-show. And obviously, we thought playing through injury and things like that as well. So I think after the last few years, there was a lot of pressure on him to take a step forward. And when you do something, like, so dramatic, like, you know, for me, I understand, like, don't be sad. Go dye your hair. So I get the motivation there. You need to change something up. It's the hair like that alone should be a bigger storyline talked about. But the way he's playing a five on five really should be. And even on the power play, we're seeing him take more shots. We're seeing him take more quality chances. The Rangers power play has been dominant for a couple of years, yet they've been missing shots from the right side of the ice. And with him playing at this level, they're actually getting that, you know, with him on the ice, they're getting a top six in theory that they should be able to rely, rely on for scoring. And that first line has not always been there this season, but I think by the end of the year, that's something that'll really shake out and they can have that more balanced approach that we kind of always thought they would have as long as Panarin and Zibanejad are split up, right? Like, that's about not being too top heavy. And the other part of it is, I think, finding someone who really complements his game is Alexi Lafreniere, who we didn't see get enough ice time on the right side of the ice last year and we didn't see get a chance to play through some of the problems and through that adjustment period and the difference of being able to do so this year so so great for him on an individual level but it's so great for the team because their skill sets are so good together and you have Panarin who can get the puck on his stick and keep it there as long as he wants he has all the patience in the world he has he's such a strong player and I feel like that doesn't get talked about either like he doesn't look like a big guy but he's so strong at you know, getting possession and maintaining it and that allows someone like Lafreniere time to get to that net front area and it works. So, you know, hopefully one that continues and two, he'll get the attention he deserves for it because, you know, I think this was a year for him to really prove something.
2: To immediately turn back into the concern meter because come on, it's a podcast. Things are a lot easier when we're talking about things not going well. And when you're covering a team that has two regulation losses through uh, their first 15 games, it's really hard to pick nits sometimes. But no, it's there's... not. Not according <laughs> to
1: some of our fans.
2: Yeah, it's true. Mika Sabanajad, <laughs> Shana, at what point is it concerning and at what point is it just, he historically starts slow and this is just another example of that.
0: He does historically start slow. They're not Galaxy burning his uh, role on the power play, so we don't have that to blame. But my concern with his game is that if you look year to year, you kind of see the five on five impacts dropping off on both ends of the ice, which is concerning. But you also like know who was coaching the team the last couple of years. And it was true with Quinn, too. Like They didn't have great offensive coordinators, essentially, at five on five. They didn't have great X's and O's coaches to lead the way. That feels a little bit different this year. And that's why we're seeing better results at 5-on-5 five five than before. But again, low bar there. Um, but it just feels like now the coaches are in place to kind of make those tweaks and make those adjustments if if the team needs it. But there's an individual element to it as well. So I think it's a combination of both. I don't know if someone like Blake Wheeler is like the long-term fit on a line like that. I don't think – I I like Blake Wheeler, but I don't think he has the foot speed to – play in that role especially when you know when and if they get put up against top competition which is you know a role the banagets had forever in new york so i i think that's part of it i think that they need to figure out who can play the right side and who can kick them up a notch and who can keep up with them and compliment them but i also think this is a player who just maybe if he you know cashes in more on the power play then things will work out for him but I, i think that there's been some concerning trends in recent years that he has to like Panarin has to prove otherwise so it's something to look for moving forward and maybe when the rangers are a little healthier and things like that it'll it'll work out for them but it feels like the attention might be on other areas to improve first that the right wing on that top line isn't going to be as much of a priority so that makes it all the more important for Zabanjen and creditor to take it up a notch
1: i mean that leads directly to Kako, right which is the other person I my entire like look I started a church I get it <laughs> but my all my comments are like Kako sucks man I'm like we have lost two regulation games and he's been pretty good to the eye test but there's only so many years I can tell people that, like look at his game it's it's good when they're like he has two points uh is there anything you've seen that is worth noting
0: yeah um that line had good underlying numbers like compared to wheeler uh, okay Wheeler, with Kreider and Zibanejad, the Rangers control less than 41% of the expected goal share. And it's because of bad defense, primarily. With Kako in his place, they have 58% of the expected goal share, according to Evolving Hockey. The offense is pretty consistent to what it is with Wheeler. And I think for a top line, you want it to be better. The defense is a a ton better. And they had better goaltending in the minutes, but it's not that, you know, like, I don't think it's that big of a gap. You know, I, I think either combination should be shooting more, scoring more. Like, there's work to be done in that regard. It's not just, well, they're both shooting 4%. Like, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, But I feel like with Kako there, that line is a lot better defensively. And that's good for a line that you ideally think is going to go up against top players. But at a certain point, for the role that they're being tested with to play, there needs to be more. But the other trouble with that right now is if you throw Wheeler back on that third line instead of Kako, that's, that's, um, that's a slow line right now, you know, that I don't think that's ideal. So then you'll have to be careful with their deployment as well. And then you have all these, you know, you want to have a lineup with a lot more versatility and I, I, I think they have to figure out what the right balance of it is. But someone like Kako, we've seen the growth in his game in his own zone, but at a certain point, you do need to see more offensively. You do need to see more scoring chances and you need to see more results. Um, I don't think that line was bad when he was on it, but I think that you could want more. I think you, there's a complete and total argument for more offense and they weren't bringing it.
2: I, we're on the same page. I, I But I at the same time, while we're th- this was my big gripe when the change happened and I went on a rant on this podcast about it. And I'll just say it again. We all agree that there needs to be more offense from that top line. My, disposition is just that it needs to come from Mika Zabanejad and he's struggling. And yes. I just don't know. It doesn't matter if it's Kako or Blake Wheeler or Elias Lindholm or whatever person you want to put on that line. If Mika Zabanejad is struggling, that line is going to struggle offensively, period.
0: Yes. Completely agree with that. But when you have someone like Jad struggling, you do need to think about it and go, okay, who's going to elevate him? Who's going to put him in that? It's the same thing with Panarin, right? Who's going to finish that line? Who's going to be that third piece? Who has a complementary skill set that's going to help him raise his game? Because right now, individually, he's not doing it. So I think you have to balance both of those ideas at the same time. It's on Zibanejad to be better. Absolutely, positively, yes. For someone who is that highly valued on this team, their first line center, one of their most dangerous offensive players, you need him to be playing that level, but you also want it that you can get someone to help get him there if he can't do it on his own.
1: One thing I've been thinking about recently, and it goes back to our conversation at the beginning of this podcast, where it's like finding the goaltender and how there's just none really out there. And Chana, you made some counter arguments to that. How how pissed off does Benoit Allaire have to be that no one's ever really made that we know of a huge offer to him that James Dolan would have to match no matter what? Because Benoit Allaire <laughs> somehow turns out elite backup goaltending and serious like Jonathan Quick is 4-0-1. Louis Domingue won a game uh, in, in very going away fashion. Like how as a goalie coach, I can't name another one in the league. How pissed off does everyone else? Uh, he, he have to be that he hasn't gotten anything substantial.
0: It could be. I mean, he, he legitimately is, I think, one of the most talked about and highly touted goalie coaches in the league. And rightfully so. We have seen you look at other teams like Vancouver and New Jersey and the struggles they've had finding the right goalie coach and getting their goalies in a position to succeed, it's been messy before. So yeah, I could see him saying, I can't believe I haven't been offered something else, but I don't think he'd ever take it. And I feel like other teams probably know that too. So it's kind of like, what's, what's the point? If he wants to ever leave, he will have his pick of any team he could possibly want.
2: Yeah, he won't. Does his name go in the rafters? <laughs> like at some point. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> at some point it should, right? I mean, we got Fish and Billy Joel up there. Why can't we put Benoit there?
0: Who says no? Who says no? I bet you someone like Henrik Lundqvist or, you know, even Steve Valaket or Marty Braun, they would, t- they would be the biggest cheerleaders behind that. No one has ever had a bad thing to say about it. I've never heard a goalie say anything bad about him after working with him. And I think those who are watching from the outside probably are echoing that. I wonder when he eventually will take that step back and just be the director of goaltending. Someone else will come and be the coach. And I'm curious about that transition because we've seen it. You know, you think of high-end goalie coaches that are on a, on a, you know, that name recognition, Mitch Korn stands out to me. And we saw with the Islanders, he came in as the director of goaltending and you have Piero Greco as the actual goalie coach. And I think he's done a very good job there. So I wonder if he's going to have like that protege that he he sets up for, you know, the next wave of success. And when when that happens or if, you know, it's already in the works, because I think, you know, the Rangers have been so spoiled for so long that they better have a plan after that.
1: Shane, a final question from my side. Uh, We were very lackluster on Peter Lovulet uh at the beginning of the season it, the rangers were too by the way they took so long to hire him for a reason um he's been nothing but great and i have nothing but nice things to say about him why did he fuck up all these other places tell me
0: <laughs> well he has a stanley cup from okay Carolina. <laughs> um you know what i think that he i think over the years he's gotten better at composing a bench with him i think like michael Pecka, i think is a rising star among coaches i think dan Muse um is a really like a breath of fresh air for assistant coaches and i think he was good with him in nashville too um Bill housley is super old school don't get me wrong but there, there's a reason teams have had him in the mix before i don't know if he's someone cut out to be a head coach but it seems like he can be a defensive specialist kind of coach um but the fact that Laviola didn't go with someone like kevin mccarthy say who has run the power play and the defense with him in the past. If I remember correctly, he ran the defense in Nashville and he ran um, the defense. He ran the defense in Washington and Nashville. He ran the, he was a secondary power play coach maybe in Washington. I know they had Blaine Forsen, uh, but maybe I'm screwing that up. But either way, like that was someone that would have been a very less than ideal option. And I don't think that the two of them had nearly enough success together, especially in recent years. And it's nice that, they didn't just fall into the same patterns. Like Gerard Gallant brought Mike Kelly with him everywhere. Him and Mike Kelly struggled everywhere they went. They had good moments and they had bad moments. And yet, you know, he didn't try to go with anyone different. Uh, so I think I think a lot of credit goes to his staff. And it does seem like maybe he's learning from, you know, past 10 years. And we'll see how it goes. But there have been conversations about his player development in the past. And there's been conversations about, you know, does Does his team, like, do they roll lines the way that they should? Are, you know, bottom six players playing too much relative to the top? And I guess with the Rangers, there's such a disparity between the top and bottom. It's a different situation. And maybe there's just a little bit more input from other coaches or he actually has evolved. Either way, um, he's been a lot better than I would have expected.
1: Greg, any final questions for our friend?
2: Um, None that come to mind, Shayna. You did a really good job. Look at you on
0: thank short you, notice
1: shana. thank you shana you're the best
0: oh my god anything to plug other than
1: all the articles on earth that you write for the athletic
0: yeah those um tomorrow i have something on the islanders and lula Morello and the following day i have the hypometer and then at the end of november we'll have a little vibe check to see what we've learned and you know we we'll go from there that's what's all, going that's on
2: all. in long island huh what's going on what is there? going
0: on what's going on on <laughs>
2: Listen, if you ever need two guys to come on Too Online, Many Men yeah. to talk about uh, what NHL players are what dishes at Thanksgiving, we're your guys. That's true. That's More me than Ryan, though.
1: That's actually true as well.
0: This is um, a good question I never thought about, and now I'm not going to stop thinking about it.
1: It's fun. You got, uh, it's a whole article right there for you. <laughs> yeah. I got your back. <laughs> Give us some credit. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us, Shana. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Great interview with Shana. She's a queen. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, If you want to leave some five star questions, you can go to our Patreon and subscribe. Surprise. And then from there, you can go to our Discord, leave five star questions. We'll read them on the show. Do it every single week and have for many years now. Uh, This is from Blind We're looking for work. Is it coincidence that Laugh and Trocek have popped off at the exact same time they started sporting a mustache? Or is there something else to it? And Should the rest of the team get on board? Um, I I, I want to just start by saying, stop telling me to tell Mika to shave his head. Like that's not going to happen. Like that's not that's not going to change his game. I know how good Panarin's been shaving Mika's head. I promise, not the issue here. Uh, but yeah, the mustaches have power.
2: No, I, I don't. Here's the thing: uh, is it coincidence that Vincent Trocheck and Alexi Lafreniere are playing with Artemi Panarin, and that's why they're popping off? Hmm. Nah, I know, It could be that. <laughs> that's I, I, I I think you're. <laughs> I respect you trying to go highbrow here, but I think the lowest well, common denominator. i trying to go, go lowbrow below the mustache. Hmm
1: upper lip though yeah upper lips upper lip brow okay uh geez this is from david in new york it seems clear that the nhl wants to have more games decided in ot rather than the widely panned shootout but without extending ot time but the but nba style changes don't make ot i guess they're uh, they're trying to i don't know if you saw the greg Wachinski tweet It was like sound there's like there's a uh, ot changes coming um
2: I don't like. Do, I think OT is fine as is, right? Like it, we've which, we've been we've been over this been over this a million times. You want to? I I don't think you need to fix OT. But if you want to either. fix OT, you make it ten minutes, and that's the end of the game. Just give me
1: eight minutes, and then do
2: ties. It's the yeah, way to do, go. I don't. Do you care when they no. cycle out of the zone? No, I do. I like the strategy. It's 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 relevant. Yeah, <laughs> it's very important. I uh. I don't I don't think the whole. Well, once the puck's in the offensive zone, we want it to stay in the offensive zone. They're fucking bullshit. Defend the whole ice. Use the whole ice. I I like it. You want to change OT, you know what you should do? Get rid of offsides in overtime. That's fun. Yeah. Make That's it full fun. fucking chaos. That's fun. One but, guy's just camping on the net. Yeah, but uh, the, the, to me, the, it's, a, it's a lo-fi fix with overtime. You make it 10 minutes. If it's tied after 10 minutes, congratulations. You both get a point. We go home.
1: Mr. Bang Bang says, "With the report that they had a face painting at Family Day, what did each of these guys get painted on them? I'm uh, not going to do the whole team, but I'm pretty sure Mika's Binnerjeb was a lion.
2: I'm pretty sure Chris Kreider was a Rorschach page. <laughs> he
1: was he like, is from what's that uh, movie? That, that comic book they turned into HBO show?
2: Uh, uh, oh, um, uh, The Watchmen. Yes, just that. Yeah, he he's Rorschach. Um, someone today uh sent me a tweet." That was, um, never forget Osama Bin Laden's, one of his sons is a goth, a real life goth man, and it looks exactly like Chris Kreider. And I responded to that person by saying, this wouldn't even be a top 10 what if, if Chris Kreider was a son of Osama Bin Laden. Would it sniff my top 10 of possible backstories for Chris Kreider? I think out of
1: context, for people that might have listened to this podcast for the first time, they have to be
2: so confused. I don't think they are. They get the bit at <laughs> they, this point. They have I to be
1: so confused. I hope so. Jesus. Um, this is from Phil S. Would there slash has there been a BSB road trip? I've seen fan groups do this in the past. Seems like a great time. I might do one without Greg mm. in February 24th in Philadelphia. I do live here. It's a road trip for everyone else.
2: Yeah. And why would Greg not be there? You already said the key phrase. I did. I we- I know. I Self care is important, Ryan. It is, and I understand that. I just cannot be in that. It's city. a
1: Saturday three o'clock game. It's where I live now. I w- I'm going to try and get Tick Pick to sponsor it. I sent the text message today. He ignored me. That's mm. okay. Um, but we're going to figure it out. So we'll, we'll, maybe we'll get a whole section. It'll be a super fun time, and we'll get beat up in Philadelphia together. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um,
2: <laughs> especially if the Flyers continue to be good. Yeah, but not I, to I, sound like a
1: Devils fan, but the last two Flyers game I went to were kind of Ranger home games. So,
2: <sighs> um. Yeah, I also – I don't know. I I think when I was younger, I liked the idea of being in a big group of away fans and being a rowdy piece of shit in an away arena. And I the older you get, the more in, the thir- in your 30s you get. You just – you don't want to be the main character of a story in a sporting event. I love going to my team's games on the road, but I kind of just like doing it innocuously at this point where I – but I also think a part of this, I just don't like the seven line and all of this goes back to that for me, which is heartbreaking because yeah. our good friend Dan loves the seven line and has season tickets with them. And I got to come to, he and I have like a come to Jesus talk every February about it. how I need to be okay with the fact that he's in the seven line and he needs to be okay with the fact that I don't like that. Um, it's just like you guys sit down for therapy once a year about the seven line. <laughs> yeah, no, we we uh, honest to God, Ryan, I, you know <laughs> the phone call has now become an episode of Back in the New York Groove, where he and I will do the spring training preview, and ten minutes of the spring training preview is he and I working through our feelings that I have negative opinions of the seven line.
1: That's incredible. Uh, this is from Woody Sweats, and I think this is a question from seven years ago. Was there ever a journalistic investigation to determine if Kreider was dating a K-pop star? What other explanation is there for the jersey getting worn in that video? There was no one did that, and I don't believe he dated a K-pop star. And but I think, again,
2: within the realm of possibility, just like him being Osama's kid. You figured it out. There you <laughs> go.
1: This is from Adam Furlong. Jonathan, this is a great question from Adam, by the way. Jonathan Quick needs 12 more wins to tie Ryan Miller for most wins among U.S.-born goalies. Do you see him do that, doing this with the time of the Rangers? I don't, I don't think he gets 12 more wins. I think he probably gets like seven or eight.
2: I don't. This is tough because you start doing the math on not that many tonight games was, left. Yeah, tonight was game 16. Do we expect Jonathan Quick to start 20 more games this season? Maybe, maybe. So he could do it, but he's gonna have to
1: need to win like every start.
2: Exactly, he's gonna have to play at an 80, 80% clip
1: win rate. Also, he has no losses currently. Correct. Uh, none and,
2: of the, well, none in regulation. Wasn't right. he the overtime loser?
1: That's correct. Four zero and one. Uh, was he the overtime? loser? He was. Four. He nine. was. Yeah. 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 And, so it,
2: it's 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 just it's a math equation. But I imagine think,
1: I told you Jonathan Quick had zero losses. <laughs> none through zero. five through five starts. Right, but if I at the end of the season, I was just like Jonathan the Quick never lost as a New York Ranger. Like, yeah, he's, gonna,
2: okay. he's gonna he's gonna again. I think the Rangers are going to go easy on Igor, especially if quick keeps playing as well as he's playing, but expecting, I think quick would need God. 12 is a hard number. Cause it, if he goes 12 and eight, that's not great, but it's also not bad. It's about what you would expect the Rangers record to be in those. Jonathan, it could happen. The math is there. It's just, is he going to get 20 more starts? I think that's the magic number.
1: I think this is the um five star questions of Chris Kreider answers. This is from Cole. Which Rangers should get a reality TV show about their lives? Oh no,
2: it, I don't want a Chris Kreider
0: show. Why is it TV Keandre show? Miller? Is what he says? Uh,
2: I don't think it's Keandre either. I don't
0: either. think it's Keandre either. It yeah. might be
1: Lindgren. I think Panarins, like I don't know if it would be like his reality show would be fun or not. <laughs> <laughs> like no. the Nokia phone. And... No, see when I
2: think reality, I'm thinking essentially the challenge. Or something of that ilk something that would have been on mtv when we were in college and Kreider is so weird i don't think it would make for good television Kreider's a great novel not really a great movie adaption panarin is a great uh dateline like a really good dateline not sure i want a movie with artemi panarin or a tv show i need lafreniere i think he's just I think Lindgren secretly is hilarious. And I think Lindgren's the answer here where, where if it's like, man, what, what's a good play on words with Lindgren? Uh, I don't have one. I don't have one either. Sorry. It's late. It's fucking 1113. I think my answer is Lindgren. I I think something's there because Lindgren also is somehow everybody's best friend on the team. So you're going to get a lot of good cameos, like, there's going to be a Keandre episode. There's going to be an Igor episode. There's going to I'm be, sure. like, six Fox episodes. Yeah, Lafreniere. But I think if the show is based on Lindgren, I I essentially see him as Rob Deerdeck
1: This is from Dylan. Uh, Dylan Pedersen, 31. You talk a lot about salary cap versus no salary cap occasionally in the podcast, but I'm not as well-versed. If there wasn't a salary cap, wouldn't the teams with the most money just be able to stack their rosters, making the league less fair overall? It seems like the poorest teams would just never get a chance at the Cup.
2: The key to this is to remember... There's no such thing as a poor team. If you own a professional sport team, you can compete with James Dolan. You are rich you. and you are also part of a monopoly where Correct. you are
1: protected.
2: Correct. So the myth that, Oh, the salary cap is the only reason why parity exists is exactly what the owners want you to believe. So they can continue to suppress the salary of their players. In all honesty, the teams that choose to spend their money more, Frugally are probably going to be more successful where the Rangers just, you know, I hate to look at the Mets, but look at the fucking Mets. The Mets thought they could buy themselves out of mediocrity and not all your big time expenditures are going to come to fruition. The most of the high end contracts suck. So the teams that want to use their dollars more aggressively tend to be more successful. The Tampa Bay Rays beat the shit out of the New York Yankees. Who's got the higher payroll? The Rangers no, no do excuse. not have that. Yeah, no excuse the, for the Yankees to be bad, but they're bad. No excuse yet. for the Mets to be bad, but they're bad. So I, the myth that the teams that spend the most money win the most is not always true.
1: And the Rangers did this once in history where they spent the most money. I promise. Yeah, Bobby Holique
2: got paid, man. It did not work out. It sure didn't.
1: Uh, this is from David, Bring Back the Whalers. What the fuck is a goal?
2: I'm not sure I, I know, know either.
1: This is from Jack Here Here. Here I will period. say I will
2: say this mm. to that question. I just I don't understand why we don't have goal line technology in hockey.
1: Yeah, I, you've talked about this on OT. It's very true. The yeah. tennis thing is right there.
2: Tennis thing's right there. Soccer's right there because with soccer you have a tracker in the ball and a tracker on the goal line where even if there's a mess and a mass of bodies in front of the goal, you, the refs can find where the ball is through the bodies. It's not, White, I,
1: the World Cup had the thing where they buzzed on his wrist if it went in. That's it.
2: That's it. That's why it, don't we why don't we have they have that in the Premier League now too by the way.
1: It just can't be that hard. Um, it, it cannot be this hard. This from Jack here here with all the complaints about Truba's hits, mainly Devils fans. Can you think of any time Tr- Truba truly laid a quote unquote illegal hit? Mm. I can't think of one off the top of my head. There's been some like there there has been one or two I believe was questionable, but at least it was a debate. Um but I can't think of a of a dirty play Jacob Truba.
2: No, I You know who actually has, in my opinion, the best take on Jacob Truba? Jeff Merrick. He makes a really good point any time this comes up on 32 Thoughts, where it's not that Truba is compiling all these illegal hits. It's simply that these big hits are leaving the game of hockey. And Jacob Truba is one of the last players to continue to lay these hits. So it's not that it's shocking that these hits occur. It's that these hits are becoming more and more rare. So when you see them, it's jarring and you just assume the worst when you see it, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. That, that I, it's one of the smartest things. I, and Merrick smart guy. That's not me saying he's not a smart guy, We're but smart it is one of the, the smartest things. Yeah. yeah. It's one of his, I think, smartest takes that I really like where these aren't illegal hits. They're just rare hits. And it's the rarity of the hit makes especially opposing fan bases think they're malice and it's just not
1: It's from Jack expedition. How do we get player chance going at the garden? Dude, I don't, I would it. love to do this. Oh,
2: see, I don't want it. Really?
1: No, I think it'd be so fun. I, I think, just
2: don't... I think we get the ones we want Like in the moment. We get it. Like we get the Igor chance. Yep. We get chance from individual players like Zook or, um, you go down the list. I, I don't want the Europeanification of American sports. I get my fun soccer chance at soccer games.
1: It's just not going to happen in America either. No, and
2: the other thing that goes against it is when I think of player name chance, I think of the Yankees and quite frankly, leave it with the Yankees. They do it great. I don't need everybody else doing it.
1: Uh, Hong Kong Harrison wrote a big-ass message that pretty much says, can we do an extra recap on additional weekly synopsis of drama off the ice, Ra- Ranger stuff? And no, we cannot. But...
2: I, do, I do enough podcasts. Yeah, uh,
1: but he says, P.S., shout-out to Paul Stasny on his recent retirement. Yep, it's
2: true. Listen, Congratulations, Trochek's playing great. I still don't think it was the wisest decision. I mean, th- we are going to enjoy Vincent Trochek's play right now. It is wonderful. We're going to enjoy the fuck out of this season. But I got to tell you guys, there's some really ugly conversations coming this summer.
1: Agreed. This is from Matty Jack. Thoughts on Panarin, Mika, Lafreniere in the first line, and Chris Kreider, Trocek, and Kako as the second.
2: I'd like to see it. I would, too. We've talked about it before, where take whatever center is struggling the most and put them in between your two most effective wingers. And that's clearly Panarin and Lafreniere right now. At the same time... Hmm. Maybe what Mika needs is to be left on an island. I I, I don't know.
1: You've he, got some time. You, yeah. like Rangers are guaranteed to make the playoffs pretty much right now. They're yeah, like they're 98%. 12, they're guys. 12
2: 3 and 1. Yeah. They've lost They've lost four games all pretty,
1: year. Pretty good. They, it's they Thanksgiving. Have time. <laughs> they have time. This is from Talking to Sheamus. Do we start Kreider's transition to the best third wing in the league now? He drives his play at 5v5. He drives play at 5v5, but famously he, he and 93 only produce in the power play. How are the lines redone? I don't think we do. Chris Kreider is so fucking good, dude. You got to keep him in the top six right now. Still. Again,
2: we talked about this with with Shayna. And, you know, I've gone on the rant about how breaking up Kreider and Zibanejad does make sense. But the reason you break it up is not because Chris Kreider is doing something wrong. Because Mika Zibanejad is doing something wrong. And you need to get Mika Zibanejad going. And sometimes the only way to get a player going is a shock to the system. But I don't think taking ice time away from Kreider at even strength solves the Mika Zibanejad problem. I just think we got to get Mika Zibanejad in better situations. How do we do that? Do we play with different players? I don't know. But I don't think limiting Chris Kreider to a third-line role makes the Rangers better. I just don't.
1: I'm with you. This is from Jack G. Rogan, 25. Is How many just of me? these questions do we have? I've got two more. Holy shit. I know. People like this show. Oh, my God. Why? It's,
2: it's fucking crazy. Are any of them about uh, Francis Golendor finally buying Jeff McNeil a car?
1: No, one of them is about the Devils being a little brother. I'll oh, I read boy. that now. Jack, Jack G. Rogan, 25, says, Is it just me or the Devils fan have made the little brother thing ten times worse? Uh, because things they're complaining about right now are truly hilarious. No, you're just seeing the worst of them. There are plenty of Devils fans that are irrational. But there are plenty of Ranger
2: lo- fans that are, too, by the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, guys, I posted about this. We were 12-3-1 at the time. Things were great, and everybody's just complaining about me because of jad. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking insane.
2: I I will say the thing I don't get were the people that I tweeted earlier in the day that the Devils were my sixth rival, and that got Devils fans angry. And then I took a lap on the Devils after the game. And then Devils fans got angry at that. Motherfucker, which one do you want? Like, I, I gave you both. There's I gave no you winning. literally everything you wanted. No but winning. fuck off. Leave me alone.
1: No winning. This is from David. Final question. Who is the worst shooter? The 2014, the 2020 Knicks, or Wilt Chamberlain shooting free throws, or Mika right now?
2: Can I tell you, I got a really mean text from Fitz as soon as the game went over. Oh, no. And this is Don't pull te- him up. This is a test to see if Fitz listened this long. Don't do this. He All it said was Mika Randall, huh?
1: Oh no! <laughs> uh, that's li- the show. I like. I liked it. I really liked it. it was, really I'm upset good. I didn't think of it myself. Shit, that's fucking good. It's All pretty right. good.
2: That's uh, that's been BSB. Way By the back. way, uh, Knicks fans through the moon happy. The team's eight and six.
1: Yeah, they're they're good. Yeah,
2: but they're eight and six, Ryan. Whatever. They've, they've won four less games. They've lost twice as many. And Knicks fans are pigs and shit
1: both teams are good. Whatever. We're really good. Who cares? Uh, we'll be back late night Wednesday night versus the Penguins we'll be doing a BSBOT Thanksgiving Eve. Greg and I. Uh, and otherwise if you don't have BSBOT, get it. Remember when people season. used
2: to go out on fucking
1: I think people still do. We're just old men now. Man, I can't imagine. I can't even think about it.
2: It hurt it hurt. I if I went out the night before Thanksgiving now, it would ruin Thanksgiving. I wouldn't be, be able great. to eat.
1: No, I need to be like ready and prepared to do five courses. I need to, to be,
2: I need to be. T- I need to be full before the Lions kick off at noon.
1: All right, let's let's have this conversation. I was going to end this podcast, but I need to talk about this. All right, what's the appropriate time to eat Thanksgiving dinner?
2: Twelve thirty
1: p-, <laughs> p-, p PM?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. I think any time. I think any after four. It, if the sun's going down, it's too late.
1: I I was thinking of like three. Three, three-ish is like the area. I'm really curious because I, I feel like that's you're – the, you're the earliest I've ever heard. 1230 is though. That's why I have
2: 1230 is aggressive. I, I think halftime <laughs> of the first football game is when you eat dinner. That's probably which, which is around 2 o'clock.
1: 2 is perfect. It's fine.
2: Yeah. All right. It's funny we call it Thanksgiving dinner. It's just Thanksgiving eat all day. It's just Thanksgiving. Eat, eat the whole day. Yeah. Thanksgiving – if I I'm, I'm, – because when I hear the word dinner, I'm thinking 7 o'clock. If I was told by someone at my Thanksgiving that food was not going to be served until 7, I'd burn the house down. He's like, I got to go. I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, open up that oven and give me 15 minutes. I'm lighting a match. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, yeah, I'd, I'd say if someone said dinner's at 1230, I'd be like, dope. Let's dig in. I'd say 2 o'clock is that perfect hour. If you got to fork if the Lions game is over and I don't have turkey in my stomach, what happened? Did something happen in the kitchen?
1: All right, that's actually been BSP. It's late now. Uh, thanks you guys thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, if you do have OT, we'll be back Wednesday night. Please subscribe, to Patreon, etc. Follow me on Twitter at Orime, follow Greg at Blue Break. We'll be back next week. Yeah, we'll two to two, guys.
2: two bonus pods this week for people oh. too. Yeah, yeah. Of gambling with Greg. And again, Gene and I went to see two plays last week. We've got to talk about it.
1: And Gina is also like a monster at Pick'Em.
2: Buddy, she's, she's got 100, 107 picks against the spread. She's up six in the pool. This is an unheard of lead at this point she, in the season.
1: So everyone knows Gina picks by topics and themes every week. Her, this theme,
2: week. her theme this week was, uh, which state's pie would she rather eat?
1: She won 11 spreads.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Ryan, I, I honest to God, I fucking hate her.
1: Gamble responsibly, everyone. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show and it's midnight. Uh, so I'm recording and this is the part where I thank all the Offer Sheet Club members, the NHL Insider Club members, the people I spend most of my day chatting with about the New York Rangers hockey and a bunch of other nonsense. Um, so let's do that now and I'll talk about my day a little bit and my week because, of course, you want to hear that. But first, the credits. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cotullo, Adam Keach, Keach, Keach. Alex Flynn and Alex Hartner. Isn't it amazing I do this every single week and I still mess all this stuff up? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? I really want to apologize to everybody. Amber Carlinsberger, Andrew Honor. Anthony Gray, Anthony Maturo, Anthony T- Tanagreta, Ari Zanger. Welcome, Ari. Or, well, no, I don't know. I don't, maybe you changed your name. Welcome, Ari. Something like that. Ben Waters, Ben Weber. It's midnight. Bill also Bill Rattel, Brandon Lagdos, Brandon Lagos, Brandon Magnum, Brenda Krager. I can't speak. Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Doherty. Uh, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Far- Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, CZ. Mm, that's fun. Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Selwagen. Stel- Stel- Whoa. I think my brain is shutting down. Connor P. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezan, David Naran, and David Siegel. DJ Banana Jazz. That's so fun to say. DJ Banana Jazz. Dylan Brett Bertsch- Schneider. Brett Schneider? Brett Schneider. Nailed it. Eric Stagg, Gary Rainis, Greg. 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 Garrett Reignis, Harrison Haskell, Hill Vanilla, HippiePity9, Jack Bagley, Jack Grogan, Jack Harry, Helium Media, hey, welcome Helium Media, that's a nice plug for yourself, Jack, Jake Keith, I feel like there's a lot of new people today, what the hell, what, like, the, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever watched, Um, I Think You Should Leave, but he says what the hell a lot in that show, and I uh, just, I say it in his tone, what the hell, Jack, James Masker. It's the worst read I've ever done. Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zabraski, Jimmy Mack, John Hardy John Shay, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kusham, Josh White, Chris Florida, Cried or Die, Leshik Gronowski Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Mike, Math, Michael Kanick, Mike Bucklaw, Mac Mancuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Palms for Prez, other slash Perry, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kondratiev. That's not how you say that. Phoenix initiation, PJ Spur, Pro World Text Gamer, Randy Tesser. Hey, Randy's got a new album out. It's awesome. You should check it out. Um, I think I retweeted it, so go it's on my timeline. Ryan Watch Miracle. I'm on it. Swingart, the Drop BK, Tommy Saclair, Tommy Tadeshi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Turf, Winnie uh Vinny Bracco, Will Specter, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark to D, Bark, Bark, Bark. Um, I've been working since 7 AM. So that's why if you're thinking, hey why does this guy sound like this? It's because it's been a long, long, long day. Uh, Cool news in my personal life. I own a house now. So as of Wednesday, I close on a house. It's really weird. Um, So thanks everyone who's helped support me over the years. It's been like, uh, I always talk about this and my mom like laughs at me for it. I'll see her for Thanksgiving. Um, And she's been on the MomCast as most of you know. She goes like, you know, isn't it weird? Like a lot of things in your life happened because you just started talking about stupid hockey players, like in your like childhood bedroom at 25 years old. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. when you put it that way, mom, it's really pretty depressing. Um, but really, I don't know if I ever get to this point in my life without this stupid podcast. And unfortunately, Greg, because he's been along on the ride, too. Um, so thank you all. It's cool. Um, a homeowner now question mark. And I guess that's like what I'll be doing. I still live in Philadelphia. So please forgive me. Um, uh, one day I, I do plan to come back to New York, but for right now wasn't in the plans. And actually, and I cannot believe this. It's somehow easier for me to get to New York city than from Philly than from getting to New York city from where I used to live, which is Bayshore, New York. Uh, because the LAR takes about a hundred thousand minutes. Uh, I think it's an hour and twenty nine minutes or something like that to get to Penn, and it's the almost the exact same amount of time to get to Penn from Philly. It's fucking crazy on Amtrak. Sometimes it, I look look. There's a set price for LAR. I know whatever. You guys don't give a shit. All right, um, love you guys. It's really really late, and uh, let's just win some games this week. Should be some fun, some fun 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 games. Please, Adam Fox, come back soon. Love you guys. Bye.